Hello, and I'm Sarah Ruffi. I am the Woman Warrior Lawyer, and today I am chatting with Tatiana. So Tatiana, would you take a couple minutes and introduce yourself and tell us where you came from? Sure. Um, I came from Russia originally. I'm born in Russia and raised. I moved to United States when I was 32 years old uh, in 2006. Um, um, I have a son. He actually just got married last Saturday. Uh, he's 22 years old, and I'm married, happily married, <laughs> living in Muzini. <laughs> so growing up in Russia, what did you want to be? Well, it's funny because my first dream was to be an English language teacher. That's, yeah, it's kind of like um, a life irony or how Deja you call vu. it. <laughs> right, yeah. I would never think that I would move to United States. But uh, then, of course, growing up, my plans were changing like any kid. Um, I wanted to be a librarian. I wanted to be a hairdresser. And then um, when I was done with high school, I went to college and I actually have a law degree. Um, I went to International Institute of Economics and Law in Moscow and I was graduated in 1997. Did you ever practice law? Well, yes and no. It was not like a law practice, but I worked for a company, building company, and um, uh, I was doing contracts and kind of like watching how people follow if they're breaching, then I would represent the company in court. So that's what I did. Yeah. And what prompted you to move to the United States? Um, well... The, the life in Russia, uh, in Soviet Union, I should say, because I grew up in Soviet Union, um, it was it was always like uh, not me, you know. It was not my environment because uh, growing up since I was I don't know in third grade, uh, and they would take us to pick up potatoes, you know, and they was, would promise us to pay. And at that point in time, they told us that we shouldn't be like capitalists, you know, don't look at America. It was bad, It was right? bad. It was like that world of bad capitalists who all, all they think is about money, you know, or something. I wanted my uh, work to be appreciated. I wanted to be paid good, you know, and I just... Uh, I don't know. That's what I was since I was a child. You know, I always kind of was disagreeing with things in Soviet Union. I shouldn't, I, I can't say that I hated it since I was in third grade because, um, brainwash and, you know, how they, uh, I truly remember how, how I was thinking that, oh my God, how lucky I am that I was born in Soviet Union. You know, that, that what, what if I would be born in America or somewhere else? It, it was like scaring me, you know. But then growing up, uh, going to college, uh, and trying to make your life the way you want. And it seemed it's always, um, it's always was something on your way, you know, like the whole system. So when, I moved to United States. I actually was very 
had, well, first year, I shouldn't say the first year was very challenging because I didn't have language. I didn't know anybody. And at that time, it was 2006. You couldn't even, we didn't have Skype, you know, you couldn't talk to your parents. I was very lonely, but I, I had to, I had to build my life. I understood that it's better for my child uh, here. And uh, I went to college, State co- uh, State College of Beauty Culture. I became a hairdresser. People sometimes ask me why didn't I proceed with law, but um, it was it was maybe like a rational thought. I was thinking I'm 32, you know, not knowing how to write, not knowing how to spell words. Words. What kind of lawyer would I be? And if I go to college now and start all over. It will take time and money, and it will be time for my son to go to college. You know, so it was it was just a rational thought that it doesn't really make sense. And I always wanted to be a hairdresser. You know, it was one of my child's dreams, and that's and how, here you are. And here I am. And not only as a a hairdresser, but you're self employed hairdresser. Right. Yeah. So you decided to take control that way. Yeah, that was a decision too. Because I started at Trendsetters, um, great salon, worked there for about five years, but then I started feeling that it's not enough for me. Yeah, I had a good clientele and decided to move on my own. was a little bit nervous, but it worked. Yeah. Well, it's always nervous when you decide to jump ship, if you will, and start something brand new. Because right. I experienced the same thing when I decided to go out on my own. But the uh, the saying, failure is not an option, right, is a great motivator. Mm-hmm. So you had a son when you came over here. Yeah. And you were married at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was an American. Mm-hmm. So that allowed the process to go a little quicker. Would that be fair to say? Or what, how did, well, first off, how did you meet your, your husband? And secondly, how did you guys decide that you were moving to the United States instead of staying well, in the Soviet Union? Oh, no. I met my husband in France. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I moved here. And actually, the marriage now, it's a different husband. Right. Yeah, um, that marriage didn't work. We tried for ten years, and uh, I can't say like he was better. I was bad. It just didn't work. It's just that you guys were better separate, right? Yeah, we tried. Yeah, we actually tried for many years because the divorce um, thing was from the almost the beginning, like in two years. But then we no, let's work on it. Let's work on it. But. Unfortunately, things happen, right? They do. Yeah. And somebody else walked into your life. Right. What were you doing in France? Um, I just, I, I just went for a vacation. Yeah, I was uh, working hard. I was a single mom, and never been to anywhere else. Uh, it was my first flight on airplane to go into France. Yeah, and uh, we we're in the same hotel. And uh, it was kind of interesting for me 
uh, talking to American, you know, <laughs> after everything what we heard about America, you know, and here finally, like um, after Soviet Union fell apart, the that Iron Curtain or how they called it so we could travel again. And uh, that that's how I met him. Yeah. And that's then your he, current husband. No, this is, is my, the, first the first one. Okay. Yeah. Um, then he actually came after Paris. He came, we met in January. He met in June at, to Russia and he came with the ring. Yeah. And I was first like, I don't know, because I had pretty, um, like a stable life, you know, good job and everything. But he's like, why don't you come look how I live, look at America, and then you tell me your decision. So I came, seems like, I definitely can say one thing about America, about small towns in America. <laughs> it's awesome to raise kids because you don't worry about even like taking them to some sports or events you know like living in a big city in russia it probably will take me just two hours to drive there and drive back you know so it's small town it's the life is more calm and they have they still have a lot of opportunities like living in a small town in russia they would never have the same opportunities like in big city and here i see it like Living in Mozanie, we still travel different tournaments, you know, he played soccer. Yeah. So it was good. Kind of fun, isn't it? It's, it's fun. And uh, what I'm thankful to, to my ex-husband that I had that opportunity to do things with him because in Russia I was work, working so much and here I had more time to spend with my son, raising him traveling, tournament stuff, you know, going for his concerts. Yeah. Okay. So when you, you were talking about your childhood and how the narrative was that America is bad, mm -hmm. capitalism is bad. What was your first thought when you actually got to the United States and experience America and our capitalism. The first actually thought was about people because they always were threatening us how first what I heard about American people, they're fake. You know, they're smiling, but their smiles are fake. If you go to Russia and you walk on the street, people will be very serious. You know, they never smile. And it's, I'm not saying they're bad. It's just a part of culture maybe like how they raised up and here when i came yeah people are smiling hey how are you they're so open but that's what i like they're so great you know they really and uh i don't want to go like into details but i really in a hard time being in america in america when i had some difficulties i got so much help i know that i would never have it in Russia. I just know it. How the people are, that's probably the best thing here. Um, but talking about capitalism and stuff, well, of course, first of all, when you come and it's like, wow, you know, the, the, the sizes, in, uh, sizes of cars, I don't know, malls, bathrooms, you know, everything is so big, so <laughs> clean. That's kind of the thing too. And, uh, opportunities 
too. So that's what sometimes I don't get about American people, don't understand. I came here. I couldn't speak English. I didn't know how to write words. And I still went to college, you know, and I made it and I have. So when people say I can't get a job or, you know, I don't know how everything is doable. And uh, we were not rich in any way. Like if somebody can say like, oh, we can't afford the education. I got a student loan, you know, and I was paying it for 10 years. So it, everything, if you really want it, I think everything is possible. It depends on how much you want it, right? Right. Yeah, of course. You can always complain and find an excuse. I can't do it because... Where there's a will, there's right. a way. Right. And I just, I think that's so true in mm-hmm. so many different areas of life. So what was one like pivotal moment in your life where... It just seemed to do a complete turn. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. Can you think of any times in your life growing up, you, you wanted to be an English teacher. Mm -hmm. You wanted to be a hairdresser. I'm guessing lawyer probably wasn't on your list. No. <laughs> it wasn't on mine either. <laughs> it kind of almost happened accidentally. <laughs> How did it happen? Well, um, it was a very hard time at that time because I was graduated was 1991. That's when uh, 1991, yeah, August when it, everything collapsed, when it was tanks on streets in Moscow, the White House is on fire. And that's when I was graduated. So before then, it was Soviet Union. So before then, you could go to any college for free. Here, everything is changing. And it was like I can go and talk about it hours and hours, how it it was like people were losing everything. It was life was changing in minutes, not even like days, months or years. It was like you come today to the store and I know bread is $1. Next day you come, it's $5. You know, then they say this money is not money anymore. People would start like putting them like a decoration in the house, you know? So things were changing. The government is overthrown. I mean, so I had to make some decision because I couldn't already go to college for free, you know, like it was not a government thing. Uh, it was private colleges, but my mom, uh, and thank my mom because she actually was and at that time. Okay. I'm what, 17, 18, 18 years old, you know, and who thinks right? Like, oh yeah, I really need college. And my mom was like, look what's going on. You need an education. You have to. And I even remember, I'm like, Mom, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't really know if I want to or whatever. Is 18 years old. And I was in a small town. In a, it was a coal mine in that house, uh, in that town north of Russia. And she's like, no. What do you want me to do? So you go to college. I'm like, I want those jeans like my friend has. <laughs> She's like, okay, you have them, just go. So, and I went and I'm so thankful to her and uh, I I did it. Yeah, yeah, it was also not easy working part-time like anybody, you know. 
but it's done. Yeah. And I never, like, sometimes people ask me, like, uh, so now you probably regret because you're kind of not using it now. I think that uh, education is never useless. Never. It makes your brain working different when you, you know, you go through those years in college. It, uh, I think the main thing about college is to teach you to think, not even maybe it to read this book and this book and this book. No, like even law, you know yourself probably. It's not about knowing all those books, about knowing how to use them and how to operate with them. Well, I know when I went to law school, you walked in as a normal person and you walked out with an entirely different perspective Mm -hmm. on the world and how you process information and how you look at things. Did you experience the same thing? Yeah. I remember even some certain moments about like uh, talking to some professors, like things I would never even maybe think about before, especially, like I said, I grew up in the country so close, you know, and I remember how one professor told me, told us about uh, political manipulation, you know, and it's it was like an eye opening for me how we think that we think you know that it's our opinion but it actually made by media or at that time it was no social media but by somebody who wants us to think this way well that's a very interesting topic yeah given what's going on <laughs> in the world today right what was his perspective at that point? This was after the Soviet Union fell, right? Yep. It was probably 1993, 1992. So, yeah, the government already was overthrown. And, of course... Uh, people didn't know what to think. And like he was saying to us, we all think that like this guy is good and this guy is bad, you know, but that's what we think we think. That's what we hear. That's what we're told. Right. When you hundred times say the lie, it will become the truth, right? Say it enough, it becomes fact. Right. And do you... Do you ever have his voice going in the back of your head mm-hmm. with the media and everything that's been transpiring over the last couple of years in the United States? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. So with the additional years of experience mm-hmm. and life experience, what is if you were to go back and talk to your younger self mm-hmm. with that professor... Mm-hmm. What would you tell yourself? Like uh, uh, applying to what now uh, going on? Yeah, or? knowing with what's going on in the United States now and mm-hmm. arguably around the world, mm-hmm. because there seems to be a common narrative with COVID, for example, right. and people's take on President Trump mm-hmm. and just different things that are going on. With that additional 20 years of experience. Mm -hmm. I feel very bad for people now here. I almost think that they do not have a choice. They, they, well, we always have a choice, you know, but being so brainwashed, uh, they say that people are divided. To me, uh, we have a good saying actually in Russia 
that fish starts rotten from the head. So when it's something starts rotten, it's don't blame people. People just uh, mirror its reflection of what's going on up there. And uh, I think because the government is so divided and they, they shouldn't even talk about the to pe- people the way they talk now. Uh, what they say from TV, it's so wrong. They have no idea what they're doing. And I think if they will keep going this way, what we see now is just the beginning. So something has to be either somehow it has to be stopped, rethought. I don't know if it's possible, but yeah. Because you've already lived through this Right. Once. Yep. Like I said, I've seen it all. What's going on here. And uh, I tell people every day, I, uh, in 1991, I saw monuments going down. I saw fire on the streets. I saw people, well, not myself, but of course, like uh, on TV or somewhere in news, like people shooting on the streets, um, elections, not truthful being. And, you know, even like I shouldn't probably say because I, I don't know, do I have like facts to prove it myself? No, but I think... If it's true, if it's real election, then make it clear so people don't have questions. And if they have questions and you don't answer, then, of course, you will have a result. People well, you want will, the answer. You will leave people to their own devices right. and they will go to the worst case scenario because you're right. not being truthful with us. Yeah, you, everything has to be clear. And if people, that's what those guys are for there, working for people. And if people have questions, they have to answer. So do you think, I like your expression that the fish, the fish rots from mm-hmm. the head down, right? from the top mm-hmm. down. That's so true because... There are a lot of good things that happen when we look at the bottom, mm-hmm. where we live, our our personal lives mm-hmm. and what's around us. Mm-hmm. You can always find good right. in the world. Mm-hmm. But if you stay focused at what the the top is telling us, you would think that the sky is falling and we are doomed. Until you get farther down and you look around Mm -hmm. and you have neighbors helping each other, people are helping each other. Yes, but I think when it starts rutting, it it keeps going down too. It does keep going down. Because look what's going on now. People hate each other over Politics. politics, over COVID. If you don't wear a mask, you're my enemy or opposite. I don't know. I, people are, I think, and again, it's not people's fault. It's how they manipulate it, what they're told. That's why we have a government. I actually had a conversation with one of my friends and she said, we should just get rid of the government and have an, an anarchy. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work either because it, it didn't prove itself in history and all you, need to have a good life just look back history repeats all over the time. and over again exactly it's like even in our lives personal lives don't learn from your own mistakes 
look at people and the, the most wise people, they learn from somebody's mistakes. Why to do it to ourselves? Especially America is such a great country. Like no one country is where we are, right? In the, I've moved here. I wasn't happier whenever people would ask me, um, why, what do you like there? I, I even remember a conversation with my friend in Russia, and they said, you know why? Because I know if something happened to my son in school or to me, I know it will be helicopters all over, and they will save me. I know I will call 911, and police will come. Look at summer. People were calling police, and they wouldn't and have they an didn't. answer. Yep, and they weren't there. Yeah, so... I don't know. So I guess something, and that's why I think the government should think not why people, uh, what people came to the capital or uh, why people were burning something, why it's happening. What did we do wrong? What's the root cause? Right. Yeah. What's the root cause and what can we do to fix it? To fix it. And I'm sure it can be fixed. It's just well, how? if the if the top if stopped focusing mm-hmm. on division and started actually focusing on things that they have in common, mm-hmm. because no matter how many differences people have, there are still certain things that you have in common. Right, we're still people. We, we are. You want to be loved. Yeah. You want to be safe. Mm-hmm. You want to feel protected, mm-hmm. and you want to feel like you belong. Right. And I'm thinking, if if my life is good and everything is good, why would I do something? Like, why would I go on the street? You know, if obviously something is wrong in society, in the system, if it's happening, yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to take a short break to switch the cameras or switch the batteries. He's a musician, okay. so he put together the intro, so it's... That's cool. <laughs> so before the break, we were talking in terms of, like, government and political mm-hmm. environment. So I kind of want to shift a little bit. 2020 was quite the roller coaster of a year. As a hairstylist... You were deemed by our governor to be non-essential. Yeah, and isn't it funny now looking back? Why? Why was it locked down? Having like three cases in Marathon County, you know that was okay. <laughs> yeah, it was lovely, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
So our governor decided that you could not operate your business mm-hmm. for 60 days minimum. Did you feel like that was a a repeat of your prior experience in the Soviet Union? Yeah, when somebody tells you what you can do, what you can't do, yeah, it it was. I I just think it just wasn't necessary. And still, even with restaurants being closed, I feel very bad for restaurants right now. Yeah, but that lockdown, I think it was not necessary. First of all, then I think it was uh, cost a lot of money for the country. And of course, I personally know people who still using it, you know, not working, just using this uh, unemployment money. So, but see, people still needed hair done. So. (laughs) Yes, they did. Yeah. So how did you, well, what was your initial gut reaction and thought when you heard about Governor Evers' order that effective at five o'clock today, you are no longer in business. It was it was upsetting. It was upsetting. Maybe somewhere even fear how to sur- not even survive because my husband was still working. But I knew girls who was like a single moms, and it's the only income, you know. And uh, is my business gonna survive? So it was upsetting. It was some anger too, you know, because watching Evers on TV was his hair well groomed. I'm like, so obviously that hair is done As somewhere important. in the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> his hair was more important than the rest of us, right. kind of like the mayor in Chicago. Yeah. And I'll tell you my uh, business, and I'm sure uh, most of girls, most of hairdressers, we do take care of people. It's my uh, maybe biggest concern, the health of my customers. So even now, I wipe everything. And that's how I do all the time, you know. But with the COVID, it's even more, you know, cleaning. So far, I know in our salon, I don't have wood here to knock on the wood. Is it wood? (laughs) (laughs) Neither one of us had it. So obviously we're doing right. Yeah. Doing and something is, right. Yeah. And is it, uh, is it necessary to close all hairdressers? I don't know. So, but some politicians also, we know, go to hairdressers. And that was actually very upsetting too. So why do you think you're number one or priority? Why are they people? above the law? Right. Yeah. Law is law. Obey the law. Anybody, right? Well, yeah. I would beg to differ that that was actually an enforceable law, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was very upsetting. But I don't know how um, all of us, but we still did hair. So I don't know if I will go to jail for that after no. saying it. <laughs> but uh, people needed it done. Yeah, and like I said, all precautions. Nobody got sick. Yeah. What lessons did you learn during that experience? What I learned, I learned that the life is very fragile. What you have, you think you have it forever. Everything is stable. But I learned that it's not. 
that anything can happen anytime. Like you think that you're doing good, the business is going good, but tomorrow booms and somebody just shut it down. Yeah, for like I said, is it necessary? Maybe, you know, in their beliefs, but like I said, I don't think so. Nobody got sick at my place. Yeah. And we're almost a year into it and right. still nobody has gotten right. sick, right? Well, people have it, of course. I'm not saying that a virus doesn't exist. It does exist and the people die looking at statistics and numbers, but is it that bad? To me, I'm just curious, if we, if we would count every flu case every year, where would we be? Just curiosity. Scared. I'm right. I'm not saying that I am like a hundred percent right. I'm like scientist and expert, but just interesting because in my life, I'm 46 years old. I was never counted for flu. I never even went to the doctor was flu. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. And I'm not 46. I'm, <laughs> I'm older than that. During the shutdown, you also figured out an, another avenue to to earn some money. Yeah, you um, you mean my teaching? So yeah. your childhood dream right. of teaching English. Yeah, and I enjoy it so much. I just absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, actually, how it happened, my friend, she called me on the day of shutdown and she's like, are you working? I'm like, nope, we're Can't. closed. Can't. Yep. And uh, she's like, oh, I was just going to call you, schedule my haircut. I'm like, oh, just come to my house. She's my friend, right? Who can tell me right? <laughs> anything? So she came and we started talking and I'm like, how's your job? And she said, well, I actually have a different job. I'm teaching French online and she said you can teach Russian I'm like okay so tell me more about it so she told me everything about the company and I applied and uh, uh, it's preply.com so that's where I teach now actually now I'm getting some other people um, even from different sources um, it's amazing job I love it love it love it meeting different people and people who is interested in language language like for me is a different world it's so interesting like again i can talk hours about russian language and i discovered russian for myself uh in a different way because one thing when you speaking uh, speak english or speak russian you don't really think about um how this language is how other uh foreigners look at this language so like how to explain the rule one thing you explain to russian russian another how to explain it to american so it's like two different things it's super interesting super exciting when you really see the result it's just like wow now i have a kid in new york um he's 22 years old and uh, he's so good he actually i told him that he's so good he can travel now he bought the ticket to ukraine right away <laughs> really yeah. <laughs> he is good yeah so isn't it funny how when you were little you wanted to be a hairdresser right and you wanted to teach english i think you'd said yeah. when you were little yeah and isn't that something it, both of them 
came to mm-hmm. into existence. Yeah. Well, maybe not the teaching English, well, but you're teaching a language, and yeah. it happens to be your native language. Right. And you do hair. And I do teach English, too, to Russian people. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I know. It's it, You never know where life will take you. It's just uh, amazing. And another thing about English language, um, it's also like kind of like meant to be. I was in love with English since I started learning at school. How old were you when you started learning English? Fourth grade. And it was so it was required in school. Yes, mm-hmm. and we had a choice. Um, we had the English, German, Italian in our school, and I picked uh, English. And I, oh my God, I fell in love with the language. I don't know if you remember, it was a soap opera, American soap opera, Santa Barbara. I used that was the only one I actually watched oh in high gosh. school. They started showing it on TV, and of course, we didn't have a lot of stuff on TV made in America, you know. And they were showing. I did not care what they say, the meaning. I was listening to English behind how they pronounce, how they say it, uh, how ladies dressed up. That's what I actually thought. It's funny. <laughs> I, I thought that all America is like Santa Barbara, like New York, like Chicago. And then I come to a little town <laughs> and you're like, Mosini. where am I? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that America is like that. <laughs> like little town, only church and school there and gas station. And a bar. <laughs> Don't bar, forget the bar. Right? <laughs> it's, that's kind of funny that you say that because we've hosted 34 exchange students in our house. And I remember the first two that came were from the Middle East. One was from, well, he still lives in Bahrain and the other one is from Jordan. And we asked him, where did you learn your English? Because your English is so good. We learned it watching Cartoon Network and watching cartoons. Mm Mm-hmm. So now cartoons, soap operas. Yeah. Even when I came here, my best friend was TV and I was watching Golden Girls and I Love Lucy (laughs) because it was the most understandable, less slang, you know, like in new movies, it's faster, more slang. Yeah. Yeah. Or reading. I remember like I'll take a book and one sentence was dictionary like translating word by word, then put it together. So and it was, yeah, it was interesting. So, yeah, I do love languages too. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah. What is something you know now that you wish you had known when you were 20? Oh, my God. I think about my person like personality or you know anything. anything about personality i wish i was more patient that time but uh i think it's impossible to be a 20 with the brain of 40 i think we have to go through that i actually my son got married and the week before the wedding we had a little argument with his now wife and uh, she was very impatient and kind of disrespectful. And uh, I was so upset with that argument. But then I'm like, you know, I am a mother-in-law now. <laughs> You're the there. dreaded mother-in-law. <laughs> right? I've been there when I was like her. 
And all I have to do is just wait when she grow up and learn on her own. Because I remember being just like her. I think we learn a lot. I think the biggest thing is the patience, wisdom, even with my <laughs> marriages, you know, I think that's how we learn, you know, I, every marriage can be saved, but because I was in twenties and thirties first time, you know, then like, Oh no, that's it. That's enough. You know, I am done. No, I think if you're patient, everything can be fixed. Well, I also, I'm of the opinion that both parties in a marriage are a hundred percent responsible for the marriage. Absolutely. And if somebody doesn't want to give a hundred percent, the other person can't give more to make up for that deficiency. Right. Yeah. And of course it's like two sides of the story, but uh, even going through divorce and after divorce, I can never say, Oh, it's like his fault. No, it, nope, it's, it, it's me too. Yeah. But Maybe another thing, what we should do with age, what we have to do, just learn, learn from mistakes, you know, just don't do the same thing. With age supposedly comes wisdom, right? Supposedly, (laughs) not always. (laughs) Yeah. What else I would know? Uh, I would like to know when I'm 20. I wish I met my husband now, <laughs> who is now my husband earlier, but I think everything happens for a reason. You know, sometimes I'm looking back at my life and I'm thinking, what would I change? Nothing. Because that's what take took me to this point. Um, because if I wouldn't have my first marriage, I wouldn't have my son. If I wouldn't meet my second husband, I wouldn't be in America. You know, so everything happens for a reason. It happens for a reason and it happens on time. Right. Yeah. So not our time necessarily, mm -hmm. but it happens on time. Right. Yeah. And another thing, even bad things would happen in our life. They teach us like even like I said, looking back, um, I think in China, it is a saying they have a saying like the worst curse you can say to a person it's like to wish them to live in the time of change it's like the worst thing uh, like if you wish really? to somebody yeah so you want to wish to somebody something like the worst thing wish them to live in the time of change yeah they have saying like this and i'm like i lived in time of change like almost everywhere <laughs> you know i lived in soviet union then it turned into russia then i moved to united states then I don't know what's going on, but it also has, something has to change or will change, I think. Yeah, but don't you think everything changes every day? Yeah. The world and life are constantly changing because if they didn't change, we'd be in a rut. Right. Yeah. We would, we would, yeah, stuck somewhere. And that's another thing why sometimes things are falling apart when they're stuck and when they don't grow, you know? Uh, but what I was going to say that, yeah, I lived in time of changes, but do I regret? Do I feel like it's was bad? No, I, I'm thankful for everything. What I saw, I have a good, not good, maybe like interesting for sure experience in my life was everything what I went through. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, it changes or it shapes your perspective on life. 
I think. Yeah. It can build you up or it can tear you and down. Al- also, you can appreciate things. Like uh, when I was done with school and actually was in college, kind of like a distance education. So I worked on a coal mine and I, it was like negative 60, like bosses won't start. I had to walk to school, uh, to work, to coal mine, walk back. And I remember talking to my friend and I'm like, Oh my God, this life looks like it's no light in the tunnel, you know? And she's like, you know, someday you will have a good life. You will have everything. Your kid will grow up and you will say, you know, and when I was your age, you know, so you got yeah. the story. Yeah. Yeah. When I think we had talked about your time working in the coal mine yeah, and it was a very difficult time in your country at that time. Mm -hmm. And you learned how to survive despite not getting a regular paycheck. Oh gosh. Yeah. It was no check for a year. Yeah. It was for a year. People didn't get any money. Uh, that was hard because people were still working to keep a job, but to get food, the, um, heads or bosses on the mind, they would give us like, um, grain or noodles and they would take it off the paycheck. But instead of taking like the price, they will put the price 10 times more, 20 times more. So, and, uh, someday they will say, Oh, it's money today. Come on, let's get money. We go to the bank at two o'clock in the morning and people write numbers on their palms, you know, that the, the, in the line. So because somebody will try to cut off, you know, and get in line. And it was a crowd. It wouldn't work with COVID, definitely. Because, <laughs> no know, social distancing, oh my huh? God, no, people were like, I know jammed there and the screaming arguing and then then the money's gone it's over people are upset uh, people committed suicide a lot of them and then uh, suddenly like uh, let's say like people saving 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 all their life and uh, the bank is collapsed it is nothing none it it, it it was hard but I had to pay for college And I remember that um, they would, like I said, they would give us food toward the paycheck plus alcohol. Of course. And uh, some older ladies, they were not interested in alcohol. They were more interested in food. But my mom worked in the other mine and uh, she was getting food too. So I would take their alcohol toward food, like in exchange, and I would sell it at night. Yeah, that was crime, but but I had to pay. Oh, it was capitalism. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was being resourceful. But it was a crime. Yeah, it was um, if I would get caught, but I had to pay for college. Yeah, so that was, was kind of had to do. Well, and it, it's all about human nature mm-hmm. and doing what you need to do to survive, to survive and to accomplish your goals, right. right? To get an education. And if the government doesn't pay me for a year, but the college, they don't care. It has to be paid. Yeah. So how do you define success? Success. I think success is, is your 
satisfaction with your life, hard work, of course, and reaching goals, what you established for yourself. It doesn't, it's probably different for everybody, you know, but when you are satisfied with what you earned, what you achieved, yeah, I think that's what it is. Going through hard times, going through everything, but finally have a result. Mm-hmm. And kind of going along with the the success, what is the best piece of advice you've received in your life so far? Hmm. Ah, uh, it's hard to say. I think the best advices I always got from my grandma and my mom. But I can't just even think now. Like, in, <laughs> yeah, my grandma was a very wise woman. Yeah, but I I can't really think about <laughs> like something certain specific. All right, maybe you can, this one. How do you motivate yourself? Myself, I just have to do do it. I I, I don't know. You get up, you do things for. For your family, I, I want my family to be happy. I want my son to have a better life. Um, that's how I motivate myself. Probably my son is the biggest motivation for my for me. If through the whole life, like even uh, moving here, I was so happy that he doesn't go to Russian military. That was my biggest fear. That was like, and when we moved, uh, since he was born, because in Russia it's mandatory when any kid, any guy boy is 18 they have to and uh, I was scared since he was born and when we moved here it was a relief (laughs) so how old was he when you moved here he was seven Mm -hmm. so he's my biggest motivation I want him to be a good person Um, when I see his success I guess I feel like this is my success too that I did right yeah So. so Can you think of one difficult experience from your life that actually, in hindsight, turned out to be a blessing in disguise? Hmm. Something difficult. Well, don't really... I think all my life (laughs) is, yeah, it's difficult, but it's blessing. You learn, you always learn from bad. I don't know. Can't think of one? Can't think. All right. Yeah. Well, here's a final question. What's one thing you would change about today's society? In America or just all over in general. the world? If you could snap your fingers and it would change, what's one thing that you would change? I would like people to make their own opinion, not listening and uh, social media. Probably, I don't know, have to, they have to do something with them. They should be either gone or, I don't know, that would, I would change. 
in society. I wish people listen, learn how to listen to each other, not just saying what they think, or like I said, they think they think, uh, but listen to each other. Try to understand the opponent and maybe try to come to some compromise. Like we just talked about marriage. You know, it's the same thing in society. If you don't hear each other, it's not going to work. It will fall apart. But you, ha we have to learn how to listen and how to respect each other too. If, you know, we all different. We all have different opinions and different views. But it doesn't mean that we're bad people. So we have to respect and listen. Yeah. I think those are two great things. And listen, not just to respond, but to actually hear, hear it. Right. Listen and hear and try to understand why that person has that opinion. Because I don't like when people jump into like extremes, you know, like even with COVID, you know, for some reason we so divided in two extreme things like somebody who absolutely want to be locked in a house not talking not seeing not going out or somebody who's like no it doesn't exist i'm not doing anything i'm not washing my hands you know or something like which that which is kind of just gross right. in general yeah so it has to be some kind of and respect again if like in my salon if somebody comes and uh, they want to wear a mask you know or somebody doesn't want to wear, i wear masks for everybody just for peace of mind. But if they don't want to, I I respect their opinion. And their I appreciate desire. that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like people have rights to think and have their opinion and have right to be heard. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I think those are, those are great. That's great advice. And it's a great goal. Mm -hmm. I think and a lot of things, a lot of problems would be fixed very easily. I think a lot of problems would just disappear. Right. So yeah. I really appreciate your time and your insight. Yeah. So. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It was a very interesting experience. I've never <laughs> been to a podcast before. <laughs> well, your perspective is refreshing and it's fun hearing about different backgrounds in different cultures when you get moved from one to the next. Yeah. And that it doesn't matter what culture you come from. There are a lot of similarities. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just going in history, back in history, a lot of similarities. Yep. Yeah. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>